Hey, it's John from CEO Raider. Yesterday, I talked about the three eyes for selecting board members. Board members should have the, the following three qualities. They should be intellectually curious, they should have industry experience, and they should be inquisitive by nature. And, you know, that, that second eye, having industry experience, sort of dovetails into another board issue that I wanted to talk about today, and that is insider board members versus outsiders. And if you go back to the early 2000s, sort of right around the time Jack Welch retired, you had... Um, you had Enron, which was a big fraud case for those of you who don't remember Enron or weren't around then. Um, you had MCI WorldCom. So there were a number of cases where uh, there was egregious fraud. And if you look at those two companies in particular, Enron, WorldCom, the board was uh, full of insiders. In addition, you had a couple other things I ref- referenced on the podcast last night. You had uh, stock options backdating was another big one. Um, it brought about Sarbanes-Oxley as a regulation, as a regulatory measure to try to legislate morals into business. I'm I'm not a big fan of it. But long story short, in an effort to curb fraud, the pendulum, in my opinion, has swung too far from insider board members to outsiders. So in an effort to curb fraud, you saw academia, you know, sort of quote-unquote best practices. There's this big push to bring outsider board members onto corporate boards. So again, outsiders being you know, folks who work for a company other than the one in, in question. It, w- it was always sort of my my gut that good to have a mix, but ideally you want to have a mix that's more heavily weighted to insiders. And I think the, the, the benefits, the pros outweigh the cons if you have a board that's more heavily weighted toward insiders. So the b- big pushback against insiders is, oh, well, if you have a bunch of insiders on the board, they're just going to fall in line with the CEO. The, the, the CEO is sort of going to lead the charge and, you know, the board, the, the other board members whom, whom are insiders, they're not going to want to push back for fear of losing their jobs, for fear of losing their compensation packages. I think there's some truth to that. But my pushback would be to that, to that particular point, my pushback would be, well, if, you know, I'm a senior exec at a large cap company and I have a, you know, total compensation package, cash and options, you know, that over time that's worth you know, 50 to 150 million, let's say. It's not a small number. I'm going to tell my CEO that the emperor has no clothes if I don't believe in the direction that the CEO is is moving toward, whether it's a strategic issue, a tactical issue. You know, I I could see how some insider board members would raise their hand and say, I don't, I don't buy it. I'm going to push back because they don't want to go down a road that they don't believe in, which could ultimately jeopardize their compensation package in a meaningful way. Out of fear of wanting to protect that compensation package, they're going to try to put the company on the best path forward and therefore be more likely to challenge the CEO if they don't believe what the CEO is saying. So that's my retort to that issue. Today, it's common practice whereby, and we highlighted IBM last night, and I didn't mention it. It was sort of self-evident if you if you were paying attention that uh, the only insider on IBM's board is CEO Jenny Rometty. And there's uh, evidence out there, a number of different institutions have done work that shows that it's, it's you, you typically have more uh, profitability, less instance of fraud when you have a mix of insiders and outsiders. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. When you have outsiders, you know, by definition, they're not intimately familiar with the operations of the company. They only know what comes up in the board meetings. Most of these people aren't doing diligence outside of the board meetings to drill down on the company and stay privy to many of the operational challenges, strategic challenges. So these, these, these outsiders don't know which questions to ask if they're the type of people that are inclined to ask questions. To, let's not take that for granted. Many, many many board members are happy to just sort of sit and nod their head and, and 
collect a check. But if they're not terribly inquisitive and they're from out of industry, they just don't know which questions to ask. And therefore, it's easy for the CEO to fool them. It's easy for the CEO to dance around hot button issues. It's easy for the CEO to uh, navigate around hot button issues altogether and, and not bring certain things up in board meetings if they're not hugely material. If they're not something that's going to get the CEO fired by not addressing at that board meeting, then you know, they'll kick the can down the road and, and not address it if it's in that person, that, that CEO's interest, to not address it up front with the board. And so the point being that outside board members aren't as educated about the industry, don't know which questions to ask, don't know how to push back on the CEO. Therefore, you don't have a rich discussion. Therefore, uh, you, you don't wrestle operational issues, strategic issues, tactical issues to the ground. And because you don't have that discourse, it manifests itself in such a way that there's opportunity cost, I guess would be the best way to describe it. Maybe you don't get that extra dollar of revenue. Maybe you don't get that extra dollar of operating profit because there isn't that rich discussion at each and every board meeting and follow-up post-board meeting intra-quarter. It's easy to fall into the trap of your company and say, oh, well, you know, we're, we're doing just fine. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, as CEO, am the only insider. The board consists of 10 people in total. The other nine board members are outsiders. And we're still growing revenues. We're still expanding operating margins. Customers seem to be happy. So there's not, you know, in many cases, there's not a smoking gun. Problems don't tend to manifest themselves uh, by waving a red flag and saying, hey, I'm a problem. I'm over here. Come address me. Sometimes they're, they're in front of your face and, and that manner, but oftentimes they're not. And so the issue, as I said earlier, is it's, it's more of an opportunity cost issue, and you don't know what you're missing unless you have open, rich, intellectually curious discussions where you put ego aside and you have a discourse with people around the table, board members, who have the industry experience, who know which questions to ask, who can call BS when they hear it. But as I say, when you're in a situation where 1 in 10 or 1 in 12 or 1 in 8 board members is an insider and everybody else comes from a completely different walk of life with experience that's not even remotely relevant to that of the company in question, you're not going to get at the truth. It's going to be much more difficult to find the truth, assuming you have people around the table who want to find the truth when they lack industry experience. So I'm I'm not going to read the article over this podcast, but one of the articles that I found, but one of the articles that I found that addresses the subject of insiders versus outsiders, profitability, fraud, that substantiates sort of what my gut experience has been. It was published by the Wall Street Journal earlier this spring, and so I'll include a link to that article in the show notes. And today being Saturday, September 16th, I will see everybody next week. Have a great weekend, folks.